Good morning, Jale. Hey, I hear you. Can hear you too. Very oh, well. Excellent. Yes, Yabahalapa. <laughs> Very good. Very excellent. good. Excellent. Excellent. Wonderful. So, welcome, welcome, welcome to this inaugural podcast on weaving coherence. Today we have Monette joining us. She is a spiritual parenting coach. She is also a life coach and a co-founder and co-director of the Institute for Family Training, F-A-C-T-L-L-C. Monette lives in Concord, Massachusetts in the United States and has a daughter in college and a son in middle school. She has worked at UNICEF and the World Health Organization and has lived in Europe, Africa, North and South America in the Middle East. In her coaching work, Monette helps parents clarify their purpose, formulate their own unique parenting philosophy and offers tools to create a family environment that is both structured and joyful. So welcome, welcome each and everyone listening today. This is bit about you and this unique parenting philosophy that permeates your work. Mm, thank you, Jale, for <clears throat> having me on the program. Um, uh, thank you for inviting me to speak about this, um, the work I do with parents <clears throat> in the area of, um, in particular, sort of with an, with an emphasis on spiritual parenting. Um, I don't know where would you like to start? Shall I give you a little bit of my background or shall we go straight into the kind of work that I do? What do you think is most interesting yeah, to start I, with? Yeah, sure. So I was wondering about like what moved you to become a life coach, right? The co-founder and co-director of the Institute for Family Advanced Childcare Training. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, sort of makes me go back in time a little bit, even growing up as a child, my parents moved from, I was born in the Netherlands, but they moved to Suriname in South America when I was a child. And so I grew up there and I remember at some point being a middle schooler um, and watching a program on television that showed, it was a news item, it showed there was some famine in a country far away and it showed children uh, really suffering in a very profound way. Of, of hunger and starvation. And just this simple image uh, of maybe a minute left such a profound impression on me um, that it, it sort of made me decide at that moment that I wanted to do something um, in my life and with my life to serve um, the children of the world, even though I was myself still a child. And then, um, a little bit later, I had another experience, which was also very profound. I was a little bit older. I was a high schooler then, and I volunteered at um, an orphanage for children with disabilities. And there was one little boy. He was just five years old, but he, was, he looked much younger than that. He was very kind of thin and frail. And he was both blind and deaf. And so... 
the staff was so limited um, in number, they just didn't have the resources, the human resources to help every child. And so it ended up that this little boy, even though he was already five, he really had not learned even to walk. And so I would pick him up and hold him and I would just embrace him and tap him on his back, sort of to comfort him. And his only way to communicate back to me was to tap me on my back. His little hand would tap as I would tap his back, he would tap my back. And this was another, it, was, it touched me so deeply. Like even to this very moment, I remember his face. I remember his little hands. And so that was another sort of a stirring in me, a desire to help other children or to help other people, but in particular children. So those two simple or very brief moments in my life made a, a big impact. And I think that is something if we think of our own children, what affects them most are experiences and um, being allowed to see the world, I think helps a child develop a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose. And sometimes, you know, we think that our children want stuff and they want this and that, and they do, because that is also part of, you know, the peer pressure of often for them that they, they feel like they need this, they need to have that. But when it comes down to it, I think what they really need is, first of all, of course, our time and our attention as parents, but also to be allowed to explore the world and to get to know the world and to get their, to know their place in it and the role they might be able to play. Even, even children are already capable of making a contribution to an environment, let's say the environment at home. A child can already start to become conscious of the environment they themselves help create. It can be an environment of contention and kind of conflict and argumentation, or it can be an environment of love and beauty and harmony. So these are things that are capacities that we have, are human capacities that we can already start to see in even a young child. And that as parents, we can start to nurture and we can start to recognize the capacities of our children and then to help them develop those capacities further. And as they learn about their influence on the world around them, I think they can also start to think beyond the home and can start to see how they can also be a positive influence in their community, in the classroom, um, in whatever sphere or space they, they are um, doing their day-to-day -day things, even in their sports teams, they can actually start to have a positive influence and they can start to become aware of that, the power they have in their hands to create a positive environment. So those were some of the thoughts that, you know, helped me think of what I might do with my life uh, growing up. And so um, one of the, one of the um, it's a quotation from the Baha'i writings. I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. And so the Baha'i teachings uh, speak to different elements of existence. The, there are teachings about the personal 
the personal transformation of the individual. And there are also many teachings that relate to society. And so there's one quotation, which for me, is like a bridge between the two, between the personal and society. And it says, be anxiously concerned with the needs of the age ye live in and center your deliberations on its exigencies and requirements. And I think this is an interesting idea to explore even with children. It's say, you know, the, the world that you will inherit, they're already part of it, but they're also still children. So <clears throat> we want to recognize that it's really their future we're thinking about as we are trying to raise them to become um, adults that the future they will inherit, there are needs that are very specific to the time we live in. We have certain problems that society faces that are unique. They're not the same as let's say 50 years ago. So for, for, um, for us to be aware of what society needs to advance, to get better. And so to think about those things and to have conversations about what is it that we see in our community that we could improve? What is it that we can see in our neighborhood, even on our street, in our relationships? How can we improve uh, the way we communicate or how can we improve the natural environment? Um, even during COVID, there's so many examples of people that have found ways in which to build community, even with the limitations that um, the current pandemic is uh, placing upon us. People have found ways to connect <clears throat> more deeply with their neighbors, with uh, the people down the street, with uh, other families. So there are always ways in which we can start to explore what is it that is needed right now that I can make a contribution to. And children can be involved in that conversation and even, of course, in the actions that we then take. Because, of course, we can have beautiful words to describe a world we want. But then we also want to think about how to actually build that world. What are the things we need to do? When, what are the actions we need to take? So the, that is some of the um, thinking behind the spiritual parenting. Mm, wow, you said, you said so many different things that are so beautiful and inspiring. <laughs> From the nest of the home and the family, right, in those dynamics and, and how that kind of cascades and percolates out right and, and this embracing right from the family to the wider community and ultimately to the whole world right um beautiful beautiful i am wondering if you could share a little bit more monette about um the spiritual element of it of your parenting um coaching practice what mm. is that about and how is that how does that speak to um being a parent, right, and, and creating this space in the family and then this outward embracing, right, uh, approach to engaging and contributing to the betterment of society. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, I think there's an awareness or a consciousness that is also starting to permeate many parts of society and people are starting to think and talk about this which is that we, we have a physical reality that is our body and, and the world we live in, but we also have a spiritual reality, which is our 
uh, our mind, our, our soul. There's different words people use to describe it. And then there's, of course, our intelligence, our intellect, our mind, our brain seems to be sort of this incredible physical feature of our body, but it actually generates thought. And if we think about um, the idea that our reality is really our thought, and this is another quotation from the Baha'i writings, which is the reality of man is his thought. That's where, um, that's where we advance. That's where we grow. That's where we develop. And so the connection between our body, our mind, our soul, there is a coherence there where we even start to understand the first glimmerings maybe of the relationship between those different parts of who, what makes us a human being. And so as the body needs to eat, needs to sleep, needs to exercise, the same is holds true for our spirit or our soul. There are certain needs that that soul has, but the soul also has certain capacities. And when we think of the capacities of the soul, we think more in terms of, of, let's say, character strengths or traits like kindness, patience, generosity, perseverance, selflessness, hospitality, generosity, all of these are actually attributes of the spirit or the soul. So the world we live in is allowing us to actually exercise or develop those spiritual qualities, which we inherently have. So I want to share another small quotation in this regard, which is, it says, man is a mine rich in gems of inestimable value. Education alone is what can bring out these, um, the treasures that are, that are within us. And then once we bring out those treasures, those gifts, then we can use those gifts to contribute to the betterment of the world. So it's like this twofold purpose. It's like we develop our inner qualities, the, 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 the attributes of the soul. And at the same time, we contribute to the betterment of the world and the betterment of other people's lives. We touch others' lives all the time and we want to make contributions. We want to be of service to others. So once there is this dual purpose in place and there is an understanding, then um, our parenting takes on a, a deeper meaning almost. It's like, well, we're not just parents for our children to raise them to become uh, you know, grown adults with responsibilities and so on we actually also help them to start to develop those spiritual qualities. So in the home, we can start to think about opportunities we have where we see a child exhibit certain qualities and then we can nurture that and we can encourage it. If we see the first glimmerings of kindness, the first glimmerings of um, generosity, then we can nurture that and say, we can give it a name. We say, that was very kind of you. You were patient just now. I appreciate that. Could you wait one more minute? You know, to help them to develop the language, 
around those spiritual qualities. Once that language is in place, it becomes easier to call on those qualities and say, right now, we need to just be patient because, you know, so-and-so is getting ready to join us and we can just wait here. Or, um, you know, sharing of a toy is really showing, um, is showing generosity. I can see that you're developing this capacity to share. So the language we start using with our children becomes a little bit elevated. It's not just about don't do this, don't do that. It's more about developing their spiritual qualities. Yeah, beautiful. So this, this gaze, right, the way parents understand the reality of their child, right, informs how they go about accompanying this child through their developmental process. And it sounds like what you're sharing is really this creating this vision of the child from the place of having, being a, a mind, right, with all these gems, and mm. understanding the potentiality, right, of this child, and, and then seeking through their parenting, right? And you'll share a little bit more about that <laughs> process um, in assisting these qualities that like you said, these character traits and these development of these skill sets and this way of being in the world, right? They can contribute to the betterment of society. So it's both a, a personal development and a sculpting, right, of one's soul. And at the same time, kind of guiding that and directing that to how can that impact um, our life as a community, right, as a world. Uh, that's 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 so beautiful. It's it's but having that lens, right? Having seeing because you know you we've been trained to think of of children as kind of like um, what we call the tabla rasa, right? Our educational process is one of like let me feed you things, right? Um, mm -hmm. And not necessarily understanding that hey. What, what can we extract this? There is something already there, right? In that child that we want to bring forth and how can we help in nourishing and catalyzing the bringing forth of those gems? Mm, that's such a good point. Yeah, like this idea that, you know, a child is not an empty cup mm -hmm. that you fill with knowledge and experiences. You just sort of like fill it up. It's actually, it already has potential. It's full of potential. And so that's why, you know, people that have more than one child, they're often so surprised how different one child is from the other, even though they're the same, they have the same parents, they have the same household, they live in the same home, you know, yet they are so different because we have all been given all these different capacities that um, make us unique, you know, and that's why one will become a musician, somebody else will become an architect, a third person will, you know, will become a landscaper. It's like those capacities that you bring to the world uh, are unique. Every, every person is unique in that way. And um, as parents, we're like gardeners, you know, you have maybe you have a, a sturdy, you know, I don't know, maybe a sturdy oak tree here. And maybe on that other side, you have a, a more sensitive orchid flower. So your, your parenting approach, I mean, parenting is so hard because we need to be constantly thinking about the kind of plant we're, we're nurturing. And we can't use even the same tools 
you know, if we think about parenting, um, we, we often think of a toolbox, you know, the things we can draw on in our parenting to help our children grow. And so one tool that works really well with one child might really not work at all with another one. And so as parents, we ourselves have to be so flexible and so creative and so, um, so capable to actually nurture all these, these different individuals. It's very hard. And I think that speaks to this other aspect of my coaching, which is I often work with parents individually and it's it's not even as much as it is about their parenting as it is about their self-care as a parent and so um you know we we think of our ability when we are rested for example or when we feel even ourselves if we have a sense of inner joy that is not necessarily influenced too much by out, outward um, forces. You know, we have an inner joy that is kind of constant. We uh, take care of ourselves in a sense that we feel comfortable with, you know, in our skin. It's not easy at all. And so often as parents, we, we go, go, go. And we come to a point where our own spiritual tank is depleted. And it becomes very hard to then be the kind of parent we would like to be. And so sometimes we have to even scale back some of the things we do to take stock of our own spiritual state, our physical, our mental, our spiritual state, and just try to say, okay, am I nurturing my own well-being so that I can be the parent I want to be. And um, this is because parenting is so much about a relationship. It's about a, a level of communication between parent and child. You know, the way the parent also talks or acts also has a reaction in the child. So it's not just, it's not a static relationship. It's actually very dynamic. And so when the parent is feeling good about themselves and they feel rested and they feel, a, they have a sense of inner joy, that will be reflected in the behavior of the child. And so sometimes we see our children might find it hard to respond well to what we say or um, you know, follow our instructions or cooperate with what we're asking. Sometimes we have to look inside ourselves and see is there something there that needs a little bit more nurturing as well. We forget about ourselves sometimes as parents, but we need to also nurture ourselves. And that might mean taking a little time to every day spend in maybe prayer or meditation or some kind of exercise that nurtures your inner self, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which will then make you able to face the day with all its challenges. And, you know, you'll be constantly asked to be 
solving problems and being creative in 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 dealing with situations yeah and it will make us more capable mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. yeah in the times we live in too i mean like um so many you know we have grandparents and guardians and adults who are responsible for children or not necessarily biological parents right and, mm-hmm. and who are caring and supporting and uh, and so many visible and invisible ways right and mm. how it important um this reciprocal process of learning is as we are you know tending and as a parent or parent role model or parent figure right in a child's life even as a neighbor right there's so many ways um that as you're engaged in this process you're learning about yourself too right so part of the self-care that you mentioned is like oh i realize i need time right to be able to recoup right to re-energize so that i can be more present Right. Um, 100%. So it's, it's really like it's this this kind of reciprocal process of learning about myself and my role and refining my understanding of who I am. Right. For this child and, and my mm. and how can I best assist this child um, or children. Right. Because there's a whole dynamic also with siblings. And, and, and then, you know, if you're co-parenting or, you know, whoever else, the, the various constellations right and permutations of how families come together to um, be present for children is 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 part of what we're learning nowadays right <laughs> yeah 100 yeah. yeah. you're like you're saying families families have so many different uh configurations mm-hmm. and you know sometimes we have the very nuclear family but very often there's other people that also are part of our lives. And so if we think of our family as part of concentric circles, Mm -hmm. and like you're saying, not every family is necessarily biologically formed. Mm -hmm. There's many families that are formed in different ways. So what holds a family together? What makes it a family? If it is not the biological ties, because they are ultimately, they're ultimately, not the the most strong the most strong ties are the ones of love and so how do we see our family part of a number of concentric circles and who are the people within those circles that touch our lives and that we touch with our lives Mm -hmm. and so those relationships can be also beautiful for 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 children to realize that grandparents aunties uncles neighbors all these people um, make up part of where we belong, mm-hmm. maybe in a community. Mm-hmm. And um, that sense of belonging is actually um, important for children to feel that it doesn't have to be anything complex or big, but to have that sense of belonging um, gives them maybe the foundation from which then to go out in the world when they grow and to feel confident that they also have roots you know we have this image of a tree your your roots grow down and they are they grow deep but then your branches go out and they bear fruit mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so that you know they the, a child is meant to go out into the world but how do we equip them to be able to 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 be to feel a sense of purpose in the world mm-hmm. when they are able to start to make their own mark on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when I'm thinking about 
um, kind of going back to the, your unique parenting philosophy and how it's inspired by the Baha'i principles. And I was wondering if you could share uh, with all of us who are listening a little bit more about strategies around how to create a family environment that's both structured and joyful. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's such an exciting uh, topic, I think, because as parents, we're always trying to figure out how to, how to do that. And so one of the, um, there's two things I wanted to mention, and I'm, I'm grateful for the space that you, you have allowed for this, uh, Jale. And one is that I'm um, in the process of um, producing a workbook for families that have many different tools for families to kind of build the structure but also the joy, the channels for joy, and then the structure to allow for a family to kind of see itself with more intention behind it. You know, often when we, when we have kids, when we start a family, we're also often at the same time at the beginning of a career. And we're very busy with work, career, and then we also have kids. And so sometimes that first decade is it's just so full of activity and full of just busy lives that it's hard to stop and think about what, you know, what's this family thing all about? What's our purpose? How can we give it a certain structure? So often at some point, parents take that time and they say, let's think about this a little more deeply. Let's think about what's the purpose of family. What's the purpose of, of, um, raising kids you know what are we doing this for so one of the so in this workbook there are many different tools there is a tool for creating a a family mission statement there are steps to help parents create a vision for the family and then a vision for each child individually there are loads of meal conversation starters you know sometimes at the end of the day we sit together for dinner and everybody's so tired there's like nobody knows what to talk about and so there's uh, more than a hundred different table um table dinner dinner time uh conversation starters that everybody can 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 get involved in and one other uh chapter is also about the family meeting and it sounds very serious but it's actually a space that over time when kids get used to it, like we're getting, we're getting together as a family once a week. And initially they might push back a bit because it feels like it's a bit too formal, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be. And if you start it kind of really light, then it becomes something they really start to depend on because what it does, it, it creates a space where everyone has a voice from the youngest to the oldest, everyone has an opportunity to say what they would like to say. Um, it's creative, it's positive, and it builds on the strengths of the family. So the idea would be, and I, I have created nine steps to create a family, a successful family meeting that is regular. And so it's something I can help, I can share in the show notes and you can um, maybe make it available, mm-hmm. but um, maybe just very briefly to, hold on, very briefly to um, 
Okay. Very briefly to uh, just run through the nine steps and then you can find it in the show notes to kind of maybe print it up and then have it be something you can have handy. Um, so first of all, you create a fun and welcoming environment. You include snacks, maybe art supplies so people can doodle or they can work on something while they're listening and taking part in the conversation. And you can have some side activities for the little ones. Two, have a running agenda and keep it somewhere central, like on the fridge, so that items that come up during the week can be added to the agenda. Sometimes there is an issue that comes up and it's kind of a difficult time to deal with it. So you can suggest like, why don't you write it onto the agenda and we can talk about it on Friday or Saturday, whenever we have our meeting. This also helps kids to feel that if there is something that is bothering them or that they would like to discuss, there is a time and a place for it. So it requires them to be a little patient, but it also gives them confidence that whatever they is on their heart will be given the right uh, attention. Three, remember that the process of building family unity by using this kind of space of a family meeting is more important than getting everything on the agenda done. So this helps you to always keep thinking about the process is more important because if the stress is built around, we have to finish what's on the agenda, it creates a bit of a negative feeling about the meeting and it becomes maybe something that people then don't want to take part in next time. Four, keep it short, especially in the beginning, to just keep it really light and short so people think back to it with sort of a fondness. Like, hey, that was kind of fun. That was nice. That was fun. That was good. It was helpful. Uh, it also depends a little bit on the age of the children. So you may want to keep it, um, you want, may want to keep it short, like 15 minutes, or if the kids are a little bit older, you can extend it to 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Then five, have family movie or game night right after so that it is, it's associated with something fun. Uh, Jala, can you hear me? Yeah. Mm. Jale? Yes, absolutely. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay, good. There were some sounds in the background. I wasn't yeah, sure okay. if maybe we got disconnected. Okay, good. So six, value everyone's ideas and input, even the youngest members. Take turns and use a talking stick or stone or some, in, some tool or some object that means that whoever is holding this, the object is the one who's talking. It helps to kind of give that visual and physical um, tool to help people understand that if one person is talking, everybody else is listening. Um, then seven, set up simple rules and expectations during the first meeting and read them out as a reminder whenever needed. Some families even just read out the... Um, you know, the, the rules and expectations at every, mm -hmm. at the beginning of every meeting, you know, it shouldn't be mm -hmm. a list, shouldn't be too long to kind of remind each other. And then eight, start the meeting with celebrating achievements and end mm. the meeting with yeah. gratitude. This helps to kind of sandwich, again, everyone feels good because we're celebrating achievements. We find out, make sure that everyone gets a little bit of the of the of the light of the meeting at the beginning and feels also that 
whatever they're doing is important and is noticed. And then nine, remember that this is a space for learning. It's a space for children to learn how to communicate effectively, how to plan, how to collaborate and be responsible, and how to grow in flexibility and patience. And some of these qualities are life skills. And they can start to use these skills at school, when they work in teams, when they are part of other communities where they are members of mm -hmm. groups that do things. And they have now developed some of these important life skills. So those are the nine, um, nine ingredients, I call them, for a successful family. Oh, that's meeting. wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Monette, for sharing those nine ingredients. And it will definitely be available in the show notes for anybody who would like to, to follow up with that. Um, so, Monette, as we come to a close, any last thoughts, invitations, considerations, uh, inspiration for, for us? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for having me on the program. And I think if, if, um, if a family or one of the parents has some experience trying these nine ingredients out on trying a family meeting, um, it's interesting because during COVID, you know, we sort of spend a lot of time together already at home. But to give it that little bit of structure actually has an influence on the rest of the week because it kind of streamlines some of those um, conversations. And you see that once you have these conversations in, the, in this space for the meeting, it starts to affect other spaces in the course of the week uh, and other moments in the life of the family. And as the children develop some of these capacities, it starts to reflect in other um, interactions as well, which leads to greater harmony in the, in the home. And so I'd love to hear if there are some experiences or people have questions like, what about this? What about that? I'd love to hear from you. And so feel free to email me if you like. Uh, I have a website you can have a look at. If you're interested in coaching, you can also email me. I think the email yes, is maybe yes. in the show notes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so I won't mention it here, but um, feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to, you know, have a conversation, answer questions or hear how you're doing how you're doing as a family, especially now during COVID and what are some of the, maybe some of the tricks and tools and, you know, approaches that you have developed in yeah, this difficult beautiful. time. I'm wondering, Monette, if there's a quote that you would like to close with? Hmm. That's a good question. Let's see. Um, you know, there's a nice quote about the family which I think is an interesting, you know, we, we think of the family, we're in it, right? So we don't necessarily maybe always reflect very deeply about what is the role of family. But I think the family as a cornerstone of society and as a pillar of community, is very powerful. And so the, the, there's a nice quotation uh, that, I think 
has a has an effect on the way we think about family. The family unit, the nucleus of human society, constitutes a space within which praiseworthy morals and essential capacities can be developed. For the habits and the patterns of conduct nurtured in the home are carried into the workplace, into the social and political life of the country, and finally into the arena of international relations. So we don't always think about it in such a lofty way when we deal with the day-to-day -day of our family life and getting things done. But it's nice to have that slightly higher level of thinking and of that having that vision of the children that we raise actually will impact society in the long run, you know. Uh, yeah, definitely an inspiration and a vision, right? Um, as, as we engage in the day in, mm. day out of parenting. <laughs> um, so, <crucial. laughs> exactly. So, Mona, I want to thank you again for your amazing work and your commitment to what you're doing um, as a spiritual parenting coach. Um, this gentle reminder, right, that our children and ourselves, right, we are minds rich of inestimable value. Right. And that the way to go about mm. extracting right those minds and those gems and making them available for ourselves and, and for our larger community, um, really in light of our individual and collective development. Right. That education is so important. Right. Mm. Uh, and there's spiritual education mm. and there's also education that assists us um, with each other. Right. And we're all teaching each other and how the mm. role of coaching and, you know, various ways that we learn right we're trying to do something new <laughs> and, and we really need to kind of so true really come from this place of okay i'm trying something new we're learning how can we learn this together and accompany each other as we're seeking and striving to make this this our own individual lives more joyful right um and also our communities transforming mm. our communities so thank you i i really i feel indebted <laughs> To the, to the gentle reminder, right, mm. um, of the work that we're doing and the souls and the children and the families and communities that um, we're so connected, right? And there's so many ways that we can touch each other, mm. uh, starting, as you mentioned, in the context of our individual lives and the family. So I look mm. forward to having more conversations on this weaving coherence, right? through our lives um, with you and others who would like to join us as we weave day by day, moment by moment <laughs> on, this, on this journey. Yeah. So thank you again and uh, to a wonderful, glorious mm. day. <laughs> thank you, Jale. A day in, in many ways uh, full of Full of potential yes. and hope. Yes, I think and the importance of be sharing that with each other, right? <laughs> Wonderful. Mm. Well, thank yeah. you again, Monette, and uh, look forward to connecting soon. Thank you, Jale. I'll talk yes, to you really soon. And for the Take care. Thank you for joining us and. All of Monette's information, her website, her email. She's offering a free 30-minute coaching exploration session. So please reach her through her email. Those will be posted um, under the show notes. So I hope you have an opportunity to reach out to her and together learn <laughs> as we seek to parent 
um, our children and each other <laughs> in this process. Wonderful. Thank you, Mike.